You're listening to the Football Revolution. Hello and welcome to the Football Revolution. I'm your host, Gio. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're enjoying the school holidays, kids and parents. It's nice to enjoy the football this weekend without all the drama. And my partner in crime as usual, good evening, BIG. How are you? Good evening. Very good. How are you? Mate, I'm on another trip, so I'm on on assignment this time up in Queensland. The uh, weather hasn't been as good as our trips to Japan or to Melbourne, so I don't know what the odds were to pick Queensland, the Sunshine State, as the worst weather, but uh, I've got the prize. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I don't want to rub it in too much more, but it's uh, it's been beautiful and sunny down here in Sydney, so there you go. Mate, don't worry. You, you, you were beaten to the punch. We keep getting photos from the dog sitter showing us uh, our little pup Luna walking the streets in the beautiful sunshine, loving life. We're up here, and I, I suppose it's uh, it's good for the crops, but uh, for holiday makers, not so good. Oh, it's all right. Lucky you're in the uh, McMansion up there, though, so everything's all <laughs> well. All right, mate, I've had plenty of requests from the listeners to continue giving it to BIG in 2023. I'd love to grant your wish, but it's a little hard this week as his team, United, won the Manchester derby and my team, Spurs, sunk this morning in the London derby, so they may have to wait a week before they get get me to start getting stuck into you. Yeah, United are flying and um, I I had a little dummy spit myself. I stayed up to watch the game and uh, when we went 1-0 down, I, uh, I threw the towel in. Uh, I packed up packed up the tools and, and I went to bed. So, um, yeah, shameful to admit it, but um, I woke up in the morning and uh, was in a was in a better mood. I, th- I think I had a dream that they lost two 0 but woke up, checked the score, and it was two one. And um, yeah, put a bit of a smile on my face, mate. I I just wish it was uh, the French national team because Hugo plays like he's unstoppable, man possessed when he's uh, in between the sticks for the for the French boys, but uh, when he plays for Spurs, he seems to love uh, handing goals every every couple of weeks to the opposition teams. And, you know, I think the best team won. I think uh, the Gunners are flying at the moment and who knows what they'd be capable of if they were in the Champions League. But uh, at the moment, give credit where credit's due. Okay, we gifted him a goal, but then a, a great goal by Odegaard. And I think uh, Party, who also hurt us in the first game, he smashed the woodwork, so it could have been 3-0 at half time. And I think we were beaten by a better side. But uh, if we'd switched keepers and we had Rams, Ramsdale and they'd had Larice, Larice gifted them a goal. Ramsdale saved three or four of ours in about a 10-minute period in the second half. I'd like to see the result. But uh, look, maybe we go in for Martinez. If we can get rid of his stupid celebrations, maybe we go in for Martinez in the uh, the transfer window and get a keeper. Hugo's been a great servant for us, but you can't keep dishing up stuff like that. Yeah, look, I'll, I would say he's handing out uh, goals, but he's got no hands at the moment. So I'm just not, <laughs> sure, I'm not sure about that. All right, so unfortunately that's going to have to wait till next week, but hopefully United gets a loss during the week and we get a win and then I can start getting stuck into here again in 2023 as per the wishes of uh, of our loyal listeners. Still on the topic of the Premier League, it happened here a few weeks ago, for, so thankfully we've, we haven't had a repeat, but it happened overnight in the biggest league in the world, the Premier League. A Spurs fan running on to let Aaron Ramsdale know what he thought of him, but it's just not good enough, is it, VIG? You're spending, spend some cash tightening up your security. The game's making enough money to protect the players, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Look, we, we never want to see it in the game. But at the same time, you know, if, if that, like, like when it did happen in the A-League, it was it was such a big story here. Um, it's happened in the Premier League, in the biggest league in the world, with the best players in, in the world, um, you know, at some of the best grounds in the world. Um, you know, so it, it's not just something that, that happens in Australia. And I know the Australian media, we're, we're quick to jump on 
the fact that it, you know it happened again at football here and uh, blah 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 and everyone's sort of blowing up about it. Yes, it's it's not on. Uh, we don't need that in the game. We don't need need that in the game anywhere in the world. Um, but but yeah, it just sort of maybe puts the events uh, a few weeks ago um, into perspective and 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 this sort of stuff. You know, as, as shameful as it is, it, it does happen across the world in in football. And um, you know, it's 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 not just the the Australian football culture. It, it does happen in uh, in other countries as well. Mate, like I said, Ramsdale gets under my skin. I think he, uh, when he's winning a, a London derby, he gives it to you and he gets stuck in. But so what? If if that's what a keeper does, he's doing his job yeah. on the pitch. You, you might not like it. You might scream out. You might go and get a poster of him ripping in pieces or do something. But you can't run out on the pitch and take matters into your own hand. And I just can't believe, like I said, at a big stadium like that, guys can jump over the fence and run on and hit a keeper. I, like I said, start spending some money, start upping your security, start coming up with a new plan because, like I said, it's a bad look for the best league in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I, I went to watch PSG play when I was in um in Paris. And uh, when when Neymar, Messi, or Mbappe came over to to take a corner, there were two rows of security guards with ropes as well. So every time they took a corner, they would stand up and and hold the rope up. So um you know they they've gone to to measures because they obviously had fans um, trying to get on the pitch to take photos with Messi and and Neymar and Mbappe and these these sorts of players. So. Um, they've upped their security in a place like that. So why can't it happen in the Premier League and why can't we do it here as well? Mate, that's news to me. I got told and I believe that it was to protect Giannis, your little son who was at the game. I heard there were so many cameras taking photos of him. I thought they were, the security was there and putting up this this rope to stop people from snapping your little fella. But uh, now but, you're telling me it's because of Neymar, Messi and uh, and co. Look, potentially, we, we had some very good seats. Um, they were almost too good because... Uh, the cameraman was uh, pretty much standing in front of us all game, trying to trying to snap some photos of the little man. Mate, I, I can't begrudge him. I do that all the time when I'm over at your place. So, uh, <laughs> look, we'll let that slide. But uh, look, there is some bad news. Condolences to the Eads family, whose little man James Eads was tragically killed when the car he was travelling in was hit by a drunk driver. Um, I, you know, like I said, I can't imagine being parents ourselves, VIG, neither of us going through that or anyone going, having to go through that. This is another, you know, Davia's story where you just wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. The only bright spot, spot to come out of it is I love the Mariners supported them wearing the black armbands against the Bulls. Both teams were very respectful. Rest in peace, little man, and God bless you. And, and like I said, let's try and, you know, everyone's stupid enough to have had a drink and drive at some stage, but let's get smarter and start cutting it out. Like I said, if it means you have to walk home, sleep in a bush, catch an Uber, do something, just do it. Think about other people other than yourself. Yeah, definitely. Look, condolences go out to, to the family and it's something you, you don't ever want to hear about. Um, you know, irrespective of, of where it is and who it is. And, um, you know, you, you don't wish that sort of, uh, you know, that sort of trauma on, on your worst enemy. So um, condolences go out to the family. Great to see the Mariners and um, and uh, MacArthur get behind them and, and really um, show their support. So, yeah, tra- tragic event. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to see that the football community always comes together um, in these sort of uh, circumstances, uh, so yeah, to up, uplift the situation. A message message to the family. If there's anything the football revolution, VIG and I can do, please just send us a uh, message, direct message, or you know, send us a text or something. And like I said, if there's anything we can possibly do, we'd love to help. There's nothing we can do to bring your little little superstar back. But if there's anything we could do, any small way we can ease your pain a little bit, we're we're open arms and, and willing to do so. Back in the A-League, the players' welfare should be paramount, but I'm not sure that's the paramount that is uh, the focus here. I think uh, that's the network that's taking the focus. 
Marco Rudin, Victory's women coach Jeff Hopkins, and I'm sure others are frustrated by afternoon kickoffs at the height of summer to fit in with broadcast deal. It affects the quality of the game as the players struggle in the heat, which eventually could cost us fans switching off. It could cost us all sorts of things, players' injuries and that sorts of things. So I know you've got to meet with, uh, you know, you got to fit in with all these rules, regulations, corporate dollars and all these sorts of things. But come on, guys, put the players paramount, not the not the network. Yeah, look, this is a point I was going to raise later when we uh, we go through our Revolution Roundup. But, Sorry um, to beat you to the punch. <laughs> you, you, you've, beat, you've, you've beat me to it, but, uh, you know, a, a valid valid punch in that Um Mate, that's yeah, the downside like, of uh, wet, bat, wet, wet weather for you. The fact is I've got more time on my hands to do my research. That's it. But, but, you <laughs> know, Otherwise, like, we'd be at the pool. Like a, a 3 p.m. kickoff in the middle of summer. Um, yeah, yeah. look, if, if we need to play at that time, we play at that time, great. But we need to be flexible as well. If, if the weather is 30 degrees plus and it's going to affect the, the players and, and, and the tempo of the game, um, I think we need we need to change it or we need to look at, at moving moving that Sunday Sunday day game uh, to, to later in the afternoon, five o'clock or, or seven p.m. kickoff. So, um, you know, it, it's been it's been done before. Uh, there's been games in Perth that have been uh, postponed before because of the heat or pushed back um, to to a later time. So let, let's let's get a bit smarter, um, especially at this time of the year. Um, you know, it's it's um, traditionally very hot in in Sydney, Melbourne. Uh, you know, Brisbane, those places, Perth, of course. Um, so so let's let's get a little bit smarter. Um, and, and maybe you know we need to have a look at the the scheduling of the fixtures and and look at a, a different time slot for a, a day game. You know, three o'clock in the middle of the summer doesn't really uh, make sense to me. Maybe look, we can move it on the fly. If they bring it up to Hamilton Island, they can play in the uh, the, the pouring down rain here at the moment. Then they have to won't have to worry about the heat. But obviously, common sense should prevail. Moving on, so into Adelaide, Mark Milligan does a solid job filling in for the late scratching of coach Carl Viet, who was not well. Get well soon, Carl, and bravo to Millsy on a successful debut. Yeah, well done. Uh, thrown into the hot seat, I think he said after the game. But um, you know, he's a he's like he a, enjoyed every minute of it, didn't he? VIG? He, he's a true professional. Uh, he's played at, played at the highest level. Um, you know, he's he's come in as an as assistant coach to Carl, and and he's probably learned a lot. Uh, been there for for the first couple of months. Um, but yeah, I, you know, like a like a duck off a water's back, mate. He was uh, he was flying. He he got right into it, and um, I think he liked uh, being in control of things again. Mate, I think uh, Diagostino's uh, Thunderbolt stopped him from getting the perfect 1-0 win, and I think Carl would have been feeling a bit of pressure. But I think also the downside is, you know, he's got the bit between his teeth now. Millsy is the uh, the number one now. He's to sit and bide his time again, hoping that either Carl doesn't feel well another time or he's waiting for a, his own gig. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll be uh, slipping something into Carl's drink before the next game next weekend. <laughs> or I don't know. It's like a reserve goalkeeper, I guess. You, you sit on the bench for so long, and then you finally get an opportunity. A keeper gets injured or... Something like that, but then you you play one game and then they're back the week after. So um, you know it's a it's a, probably a weird feeling for him, um, but no, he did a, he did a great job, and uh, it's good to see that um, you know he's he's ready to step up uh, if needed if need be. Yeah, another quality homegrown uh, coach, spot on. Okay, we wrap up match day ten of the A League Women's Competition revolu- uh, revolutionized roundup of the latest men's action. Is there anything I didn't see? Vig. <laughs> Oh, you're pretty good. You've done your research very, very well. Um, you obviously saw the saw the Ramsdale kick this morning. That was all over the internet. Um, I don't know. Did you did you stay up and watch the the Man City the Man United derby, Man City Manchester derby? No, mate, I look. I watched bits and pieces, but I, I did stay up somehow and out of loyalty and watch the uh, the London derby. And to be honest, the probably most enjoyable game for me the whole weekend was watching Brighton give it to Liverpool three 0 I, I didn't think oh, I'd sure. ever see 
I didn't ever think I'd see a, a Brighton team beat a clock coach team 3-0, first of all, but even more so, usually expect to see 16 chances. They've taken all the possession and they just couldn't finish. They only had 38% possession Liverpool against Brighton and copped a 3-0 hiding. So I like Klopp. I don't like Liverpool, but um, it was uh, absolutely impressive from uh, from uh, from Brighton. And yeah, I, like I said, I, I think I, I didn't ever see, think I'd see that in my time watching the Premier League with someone as great as Klopp and how much success he's had at Liverpool. But I don't know, is this the fall of the king? Well, look, I hope so. I'm a, I'm a United fan, obviously, so <laughs> I, I, I couldn't care less if they if they got spanked five uh, nil or six nil. So um, yeah, look, stop crossing your fingers. Look. Um, <laughs> There um, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I think Brighton are, are a good football team, and they're playing some good football at the moment. They've got some uh, some quality players, so um, hats off to them. They they performed really well on the weekend. All right, let's get stuck into the A-League women's wrap. Uh, all the teams have now experienced a loss after the weekend's round, as the final team has fallen, and the Melbourne teams dominate dominate the top of the table. Canberra scorched the Jets, putting five past them at home, only allowing Newcastle a late consolation. The Wanderers show some fight on their own turf to hand West United a 2-1 loss, their first of the season. Brisbane and Adelaide have to settle for a point after a 1-1 draw in Queensland. Victory on the road holds City in a tightly contested Melbourne derby, ending 1-1. And Glory and Phoenix both see red, but it's the Perth team that secures a 2-0 win. Yeah, I guess the, the big movers of the weekend were probably the Wanderers in, uh, in ending uh, Western United's, I think, seven-match unbeaten run. So... I don't know who um, saw that coming, but uh, no, so, uh, so they've yeah they've gone back to back and and sort of um you know they've they've moved themselves away from from the the bottom of the table. Uh, Paul Wellington is stuck down there on one point, um, and and Newcastle just Newcastle and the Wanderers above them on seven. But you know there, there's some some good you know the teams it's starting to develop quite nicely with, with the top four or five, uh, but then there's a few in the in the chasing pack behind so. Be interesting to see what the what the Wanderers can do. Um, I think Canberra United are also a very interesting team. Uh, they've gone back to back wins as well, so they're um, sneaky. I think they're a sneaky for for the top four to knock out. You know, one of these uh, so called bigger teams in Melbourne City, Sydney, or or Victory um, and, and West United are flying at the top. But we'll see if they can sustain that for for the rest of the season. Mate, I'm loving this uh, women's A League at the moment. The one thing I can't stand is this buy. I know it's going to happen eventually, probably with the men's league again. But this bye, this weekend, you got to see all the teams, whether win, lose or draw, but Sydney doesn't play, right? So if you're a Sydney fan, you get the week off. I, I don't know how you fix this. I don't know if you get a, a, the Football Revolution All-Stars to fill in and you and I and maybe Giannis, my young fella, Luca, and we put a team together. I don't know what your dad's like in goals, but surely we can put a team <laughs> together that can field, field an extra team in the uh, women's league so that each team you get to watch, whether you play a bunch of donkeys like us or nobody, it's better to watch a game, isn't it, than, than get the weekend off and have a bye. Yeah, it is. Look, uh, eleven teams in 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 a in a competition just doesn't make sense. You need twelve or you know fourteen. So hopefully we see we see another team. Um, well, there's two teams coming in next year, I believe. I believe uh, Macarthur Bulls and the Mariners both have a team coming in, but that still means we're well, going to unlock the number. That doesn't help much. That makes it thirteen. So that's what I'm saying. Um, I don't I don't see the problem being fixed. So I think that the football revolution all stars is the best option. Oh, I'm up for it. Look, why, why not? All right, so quick snapshot of the table. So as we said, Western United, top of the table on 21, Melbourne City on 19, Sydney FC, who didn't play, on 18, and Melbourne victory four points back, rounding out the top four on 14, Adelaide a further point back on 13, and the Sneakies, Canberra United, back on 11. City and Adelaide have both played an extra game, however, so in the coming weeks they'll get their uh, 
they get their buys and will give the other teams a chance to catch some points on them. My weekly rap has been replaced by a shout-out, dedicating a weekly song to a team or a player for their good or bad performance. This week's shout-out we just touched on previously goes to the uh, Wanderers women's team for their big upset of the undefeated West United, only their second win of the season, so it makes it even more impressive against a team who in their debut season hadn't lost a game yet. Like I said, I think you said it was is it, uh, it was seven on end, was it, uh, previously up until this weekend. So the song we send to them is Sia's track, Never Give Up. So it doesn't matter where you're sitting on the table, doesn't matter what the form guide looks like, it doesn't matter what the media says, what the opposition team says, all that matters is that uh, you believe in yourselves. So I suppose that's a great message out there for those young young players, boys and girls, and uh, anyone hoping to to achieve a career in the A-League. Never give up. doesn't matter where you're sitting on the table. Each game's a new game, and it doesn't matter where you're sitting top of the table or bottom of the table. Never give up. You can always get something out of it. So uh, see his track, never give up. We send that to you, to the Wanderers women's team, and maybe that inspires them to bigger and better things for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, you know, there's nothing like get, getting your first win and and then, you know, finding a, another one back to back and um, getting that train rolling a bit. And, and often, you know, one brings two, two brings three, three brings four. So um, we'll, we'll see how, uh, how they keep going on. Moving on to the men's league. So a quick uh, snapshot of a table. So Melbourne City on 26 with a game in hand. Central Coast consolidating second on 22. The Wanderers after their draw sitting on 19. Wellington Phoenix on 17. MacArthur Bulls also on 17. And Adelaide United on 16 rounding out the uh, the top six. City continues to lead the pack with back-to-back 1-0 wins. Uh, sorry, lead the pack. Back-to-back 1-0 wins for the Phoenix, catapulting them into the top four. And a draw is not enough for the victory to avoid slipping back into the dreaded cellar-dweller spot. Yeah, look, um, Wellington Phoenix, hey, the big big movers. Um, you know, back-to-back 1-0 wins. They're up into fourth. Uh, and, and victory, West United and victory at the bottom. Uh, it's not looking too good for, for those two at the moment. Yeah, it's total total opposite of last year when uh, the three Melbourne teams were all sitting up there. City have uh, continued their fantastic form, but the other two have uh, sunk to the bottom of the ocean. But uh, yeah, Phoenix, you know, you, you blink and oh fuck, they're back in the four. So uh, <laughs> fantastic news for them. I think they're starting to get, uh, you know, Zawada and some other players there who have only just joined. It takes a little bit of time to not only settle into a new country, but to settle into a, a new coach's, you know, uh, structure as well as, you know, in, in with new teammates. But they're starting to find some fire, so they could be very dangerous. So our revolutionised roundup, as you know, we give the score, the goal scorers, the players of the game, the turning point, and what we would have changed, either Coach Gio or VIG, to try and get something out of the game for either one or both teams. So the first game was uh, MacArthur Bulls versus the Central Coast Mariners, the only game on the Friday, the 13th of Jan. How'd you see this one, VIG? Yeah, look, it was a, a good fixture and, and played at night time. Uh, the speed and the tempo of the game um, was great. Uh Final score was 2-1 to the to Central Coast Mariners, so nice little away win for them. Uh, they got off to a great start, fourth minute. Uh, they were pretty much gifted a goal from uh, Tommy, Tommy Slav Uzkok, uh, made a bit of a blunder at the back there and let Marco Tullio through, not Marco Tullio, Tullio. Um, <laughs> so he opened the scoring in the fourth. Uh, Jason Cummings made it 2-0 uh, in 26, and then uh, Matt Miller with a consolation for MacArthur in the 57th. Um, my player of the match um, was Brian Caltac, so the, the centre back for Central Coast. Uh, I think I think he's been real solid the last last couple of weeks. Um, was also solid a, again on uh, Friday night. And, yeah, we've uh, talked about in previous weeks as being a, a real standout and, and 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 a bit of a rarity at the moment for something coming out of Oceania. 
Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, to, to find a player like this, uh, I think Central Coast have, have done really well. Um, you know, by all reports, I think he was he was coming here to play in the um, in the NPL in New South Wales, and uh, was snapped up by by Central Coast on a on a short term contract, and and now he's uh, he's landed a two and a half uh, year deal with them. So I think that takes him out to the end of the twenty twenty five season. So uh, well, sometimes hats off, hats the advantage is sometimes the advantages are not having the cash to spend. Right, is finding bargains. So okay, the downside is you can't go around and start throwing your money, but usually you can burn that really quickly and buy things that aren't in good investments. But when you have to be a little bit uh, frugal with your money and you don't have as much to spend, you usually look a little bit harder and try and find good bargains. And the Mariners seem to be doing this really well over the last you know few seasons now. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, they they often find uh, these little gems and and you know turn turning them into big diamonds and and move them on to bigger clubs. So. Um, bravo you know, the Mariners. Bravo, yeah, absolutely. What was the turning uh, point for you? So turning point for me, I think uh Vukovic made a tremendous save in the 63rd minute down down low to his left, uh with his with his left foot. Uh can't remember who was off, but it was a tremendous save. Um and for me, you know, if that goes in, uh MacArthur uh, back in the game. So um back in the game at two all and, and potentially maybe even go on and 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 win it in the end. So um, oh, I thought that was that was the, the turning point, and, and that got Central Coast to three points at the end of the day. Even though it's a, a defeat for the MacArthur Bulls, it's been a lot better performances, including the weekend and previous two or three weeks from the from the uh, Bulls to what we've seen from the early games in the season under Dwight York. Yeah, it is. I, I said a couple of weeks ago that I'll, I'll never watch a MacArthur home game again, but here I am <laughs> on, on a Friday night watching watching MacArthur and Central Coast, and and yeah, it was it was a much much improved performance. Um, the one thing I would have changed though. I think uh, you start Azani from from the start uh, instead of bringing him on at halftime. Um, I don't know what was up with Al Hassan Toure if he was injured or, or just got hooked at halftime. But um, I thought Azani was brilliant when he came on, changed the game a little bit. So um, you know, I, I want to see him from the start. I want to see him playing as long as possible, um, and that's what I would have done. Look, he's one of their star players. So obviously Dwight York's got his reasons for doing that, but uh, it backfired. So uh, whatever his reasons were, he needs to go back to the drawing board and work out how he gets uh, his team back in the winner's circle this weekend so that they can continue to, uh, you know, consolidate themselves in a six. You don't want to be in a position now where you win one or two and then you sit just in the six and then you lose and then teams below you win and each week you keep going in and out and you're just going to be playing Russian roulette to the end of the season. So moving on to the uh, the first of the... Uh, Three Saturday games, so that was uh, Brisbane Raw hosting the Wellington Phoenix. How'd you see this one? Yeah, so final score was one uh, 0 to the Wellington Phoenix. So cheeky little away win for for the Knicks. Um, Oscar Zawada was the goal scorer in the sixty fifth minute. Um, my player of the match. Look, I, I don't know what it is today, but I'm, I'm sticking with my showing my allegiance to the uh, defenders union. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Tim Payne. Oh, I thought he was tremendous at the back there, solid. Uh, made a made a crucial block, um, you know, to 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 keep uh, Brisbane Brisbane Raw off the score sheet. So uh, I don't know. I just thought the the, the defense this weekend was uh, was really good, and I thought Tim Payne uh, showed his leadership at the back there for for the Wellington Phoenix. This is another example of, as we were mentioning with the Mariners, where a team who, when they start to get good players and they perform, they usually go to greener pastures, you know, whether it be location or for whatever reason, they want to pick a team where they think they're going to push for silverware. And the Phoenix continually have had to come up with ways of being able to recruit new players. And we mentioned it with Krayev, who I think was out suspended after getting a red last week. But now you've got Zawada coming in as well, who's starting to find his feet. And they just seem to be able to keep finding these gems. You know, they've lost Ben Wayne in the January transfer window. He didn't, I don't 
don't think he even got a chance to say goodbye to the fans or to his teammates because it happened so quickly. But before you realise now, they've got other guys stepping up. So it is a real credit to uh, the Phoenix that uh, not only have they jumped up into the four, but they do continually find ways of replacing players that leave, quality players at that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, like we've we've spoke about uh, David Ball, you know, a million times on the on this podcast, and and what value he adds uh, to the team, and and what he brings to the league, um, you know, players players like that, um, and now they've gone and got Cryev and and Zawada to essentially replace Ben Wayne, and uh, they're banging in goals for fun. So hats off to them. Okay, so besides uh, banging on about how much you're loving the defenders this round. What was the turning point for well, you? The turning point was the goal, wasn't it? You know, it was a, it was a lovely ball from uh, Lucas Moragas, uh, the left back for Wellington. Uh, great ball to the back post and and a tremendous header. You know, it's almost sort of Ronaldo like he had to get up at the back post and and head it back down. So, um, you know, I just thought that was that was a tremendous goal, and it was only going to probably only going to take each team. You know, whoever scored first was probably going to go on and, and win this match. So. Um, that's the turning point for me, and, and Wellington hold out in the end, and uh, Oli Sale was tremendous in goals again as well. Now, we, we had mentioned this previously too, obviously with uh, their big star, Charlie Austin, uh, you know, leaving and going back to the English League, and he's already made his debut for his new club, and, uh, you know, Warren Moon, who's doing a great job there, has obviously decided, or he had said that he was prepared to, you know, give an opportunity to the guys there. He thinks he could step up in their absence. But does this show that uh, they do need to get someone else in there, someone who's a star power, a proven goal scorer? Because, you know, they're not getting uh, hiding, but they're, when they're losing games, it's very close. I think it was similar to Mariners last year. I said they didn't really put in many bad performances, but there was games there they should have won. There was games there they should have drawn and they didn't. Are they just lacking that little bit of firepower? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Brisbane probably deserved to get something out of this match, but this leads on to, to my next point. What, what would I have changed as, as the coach? And as good as a player uh, Nikola Milijuznic is, he's not number nine, right? So th they, they need to either use a, a youth team player who's a, an out-and-out striker and play him number nine, or, you know, I, I know they're short up top, you know, with Charlie Austin leaving, or then they need to play Milijuznic up there with, with someone else at least, you know, having him up there by himself. He's not the type of player that's going to hold the ball up, linking play. He's a runner. He likes to get in behind the defence. So, um, you know, for, for me, I would have either changed the formation to, to have someone a bit higher up with him to help him out or, you know, play, play a youth team player who's an out-and-out number nine. BRG stats, man. I know you're the best at this. So tell us, when's the last time uh, the, the Raw had a striker score? So I know they've had a couple of, uh, you know, scoreless games. They've had one where um, their captain O'Shea scored. So it's been at least a few weeks now before a striker's yeah. actually scored a goal I, for him, right? I think it was best up, Barisha. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it probably was. But quick, quick question for you before we move on to the second of the Saturday games. Do you go out there now and try and grab someone? And look, they may not be open to the idea, but someone like an Irakunda who can't get any game time, it doesn't matter what he does to come off the bench because he has got some quality in front of him. He's got, you know, Ibasuki, Japanese international. He's got other players in front of him. He's got George Blackwood, who's, a, you know, a, a seasoned A-League player in front of him. He seems to get bits and pieces of game time. Do you go around now, rather than go and find a big name and spend money, which I don't think the Raw have, do you go around and look at one of these guys who you know can play, um, it, it might have been Quoll, you know, before he went to Newcastle and he's now moved over to um, Hearts, Hearts Kangaroos before he's gone over there to play with all his mates over in uh, the, the this, that's the extra A-League team, isn't it? Hearts now? It's, oh, they, they might as well just play in the A-League, shouldn't they? Just <laughs> <laughs> It's Melbourne Heart. It's the old Melbourne Heart. It's Isn't that Melbourne. where they relocated to? Maybe I, I they could have got so. Norbo to coach him if they'd known that. 
he might he might be there soon. Who knows? Um, yeah, is that, is that what you would do? You go and get a qual before he left or Irukunda, who you know has got absolute bucket loads of potential, who could come in and, okay, you're fast-tracking, but he could be a guy that costs you nothing who could turn out to be an absolute goal-scoring machine for you. Yeah, it's a it's a, a you know great a great idea, but whether the other clubs would allow that, I, I don't know. That's that's, um, but you know it's it's definitely an option. And, and if I was if I worked for Brisbane, if I was the, the sports director of Brisbane or the CEO or the coach or or the kit man, I'd be I'd be looking for for someone up top because um, I don't think they can you know if they really want to make make the top six and they want to do something this year in the competition. Then I think they need to go out and, and find a replacement and, and get a striker in. Look, even loan for the rest of the season, which means that the club can still retain him if they want to, and and obviously do something with him in the future. But just let him get some games under his belt, and he can only that can only benefit the player and benefit the club when he comes back to them eventually after he's been given that experience he's not getting currently at the club. But uh, moving on to the second of the Saturday games, it was that hated rivalry between Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory. Uh, the game ended one one. The opening goal was uh, a typical Craig Goodwin special in the seventh minute where he's cut back. Uh, I don't know where the defender thought he was oh. shooting because he's on an angle. He had like about 1% of the goal to shoot at, so he's cut inside and, and picked probably the only spot in the whole goal that there wasn't someone standing. There was defenders everywhere. There was a goalkeeper and uh, Acton, and somehow he's picked out the top corner. But uh, then that would seem to be superseded by an absolute stunning strike by Nick Diagostino in the 49th minute. So in their first game without uh, their superstar nanny, they've come out and at least pinched an equaliser out of the game. For me, I know there were some excellent players and some great goals in there, but I couldn't go past Ben Halloran. He ran his heart out uh, from the first to the final whistle. He created his captain's goal in the seventh minute, and he was still trying to score a winner until the very last kick. I think he pulled off – he made uh, – he made the victory pull off an excellent save in the last few minutes, and I think he also had one blocked, and so he ran his heart out. And, and like I said, especially in a game like that where there is a lot of spice and that sort of thing, it, it takes a lot to run a full 90 minutes, and I think he ran every blade of grass of the Adelaide pitch. So for me, I think not only would the fans have been absolutely wrapped with his performance, but I think Millsy filling in for the uh, sick Carl V would have also been doing handstands over his performance. Yeah, Benny Halloran, he's an absolute machine, isn't he? He's just a, he's just fit. He runs all day. Uh, he's got quality as well. And, and like you said, he, um, had a hand in, in the goal and setting up Craig Goodwin. So, which was a lovely finish. He, he sent a few players for, for a few hot dogs and, and then, uh, finished it off. So, um, yeah, look, if there's always a bit of spice, spice in this fixture, um, you know, I think, I think one all in, at the end of the day is probably a fair result. Um, Victory will be will be disappointed. Um, you know they, they, they've found themselves in the game. Um, you know after last week's uh, bad performance. So um, you know, but a, a point away from home, they they can build on that. But you know, victory right now, they they need three points every week until the end of the season. So um, hopefully, you know, turn turns around for them, and uh, we see them sort of creep creep up the table. But in saying that, Adelaide are playing some good football at the moment as well. Because disappointing as it was for Adelaide, the, the the very bright spots to come out of it is you, you've got excellent coaches when Carl V is not there in uh, Galekovic as well as Millsy now. And the other huge positive was I saw some footage of Ben Halloran saying, I want to stay and be a great player for Adelaide for the rest of my career. So instead of going touring around Asia and trying to find a new home, him signing long-term with Adelaide and staying in Adelaide is only great things for them for this season and for the future. So fantastic news for them. The turning point for me was the handball against Popovich in the 25th minute. It would have uh, tied things up at, uh, at one apiece a lot earlier than that. 
I think, uh, like I said, the victory was struggling and they lost any little you know, shred of confidence they that they had in the uh, in the game um, going 1-0 down early. But I think, uh, unfortunately, the victory coach getting no luck from his namesake. Yeah, look, uh, you know, they, they, they go either way. But like, like you said, if, if they had scored then and, and leveled it up, it would have been a different game. So, um, yeah, look, d- disappointing that, that it wasn't um, wasn't a be like that, but um, you know, victory got found themselves. They, they got back into the game with a, a great goal from from D'Agostino uh, in the end. But like like you said, it, it could have changed the game and um, maybe even opened the game up a little bit more and and you know, given both teams a bit more time to to go out and find that winner. Yeah, and and for me, the, what I would have done if uh, if I was in charge of uh, of Adelaide was that one nil up uh, and victory were rocked. I would have gone for the kill, putting on Blackwood and Irukunda earlier than the 69th minute. So uh, Adelaide totally dominated the game. You could tell victory. They were kicking balls over sidelines. They were panicking. Adelaide looked like they had the game in total control, even with the missing Isaias. They looked like they were the goods on the pitch. It was nice to see, uh, you know, them them controlling the game. And then all of a sudden, they let the victory back in for a small period of game uh, of the game in the second half. And I think as soon as uh, the Diagostino goal went in. They had a few other chances. They got a bit of a spring in their step and they started coming at Adelaide and they possibly could have uh, stolen you know, a, a, a lead, which I don't think they deserve. So for me, I would have, and maybe you put that down to Millsy trying to follow the game plan. You know, he's probably been given one by Viet and it's hard to go and make your own decision, you know, without him there. If you go for the win and you get it, you look like a star. But if you don't and you go against the coach, it could be a long season sitting, you know, (laughs) about four seats away from him. So I understand why he may not have taken that decision, but I would have definitely gone for the kill, put Blackwood or Irukundra on, pushed another striker up front and put them to sleep. 2-0 could have been Uh, 22-0. Victory were already lacking confidence. They're missing Nanny. There's players there out of form, you know, Popper's probably read the right act to them during the week as well, and I think that would have uh, finished off the game, especially especially against a very good Adelaide team at home, but uh, it wasn't to be. So moving on to the uh, the last of the Saturday games, it was the Perth Glory hosting Sydney FC. The final score was 2-2. The goal scorers were Joe Lolly in the sixth, Ryan Grant, who I think was a little bit shocked to score. He didn't move. He didn't do anything. He just stood there and waited for his teammates to come over. So I don't know if he thought it was too easy or if he just couldn't believe he, he'd scored, but he scored in the 26th to give Sydney a 2-0 lead. But uh, the glory came uh, storming back in the 46th minute. Uh, substitute Zach Duncan uh, brought it back to 2-1. And then in the 102nd minute, another substitute at halftime, David Williams uh, with the equaliser with a Thunderbolt header. So final score, 2-2. For me, the player of the match was Joe Lolly returning after a two-game suspension. You can see what, what the Sky Blues were missing. He grabbed the opening goal. Uh, and glory keeper Cook denied him a late brace to wrap up the three points. And uh, if he'd scored that, it would have been 3-1 and game over. But uh, that save allowed them to pinch a, a really, really late winner. So for me, Joe Lolly was uh, excellent. I also thought Cook was was very good in the goals uh, for the glory and goes to show another great young keeper that we've got coming in in the league. Uh, turning point for me was uh, Robert Mack's uh, exquisite outside of the foot pass to play Max Burgess in, who thumped it against the crossbar. It would have been 3-0, and it would have been game over. It would have been over for uh, the glory. They would have been sitting there wish- wondering how their previous forms just evaporated and uh, the Sky Blues have put them to the sword, and it probably would have finished five or six. But uh, as they keep so- saying, as well as Max Burgess is playing, he just doesn't get the goals. I don't know if he hits the ball too hard. He's got to release the power. He's got to stop doing less weights, less wheat picks or whatever it is. But he just, even though there's players who score when they miss kick, this guy strikes the ball true and he just can't <laughs> seem to beat the frame a lot of the time. 
Yeah, it's frustrating for Maxi, but for me, the turning point would have been when uh, when the lights went out at the stadium. So someone someone's flicked a switch in the car park and uh, Macedonia Park. The lights had gone out. I think it was two one at the time, um, and I think that just disrupted Sydney altogether. I think they they just went off the boil after that. So um, that that was my my little shout out to to add to this one. That um, probably would have been uh, that Tony Sage is being investigated. So maybe they uh, he's he'd had overdue le- electricity or gas bill. Yeah, potentially. Oh, I think he just. I think. I think he hadn't been paid, and he he quickly paid it, and the lights were back up. But um, yeah, yeah just put it on his gold Amex, just whacked it on his gold Amex, and uh, up and running we are within fifteen minutes. Away we go. Yeah, it was it was amazing how quick they turned back on. But um, yeah. So look, uh, I think Sydney were were well in control of that game. Yeah, the goal straight after halftime uh, got Perth back into it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think that that Sydney FC team should be able to see off. Uh, that match, I know it went, you know, 110 minutes or something ridiculous like that, but uh, they they should have the quality to to see that that one out. But credit to Perth, they they kept on coming at him and came at him in in waves and um, lovely goal to to Williams at the end. It was a World Cup esque uh, game, wasn't it? That goes for an extra 15 minutes, like we're used yeah. to in the World Cup. So fans should be used to that. But uh, maybe, uh, maybe the glory were because of the time difference, but Sydney weren't. But uh, moving on to what I would have done to. Uh, if I was coach in that game, uh, for me, glory, show more kahunas. At the start of the game, you know, you've gone out there and you've played 5-4-1, very negative, very defensive for a team that's, uh, you know, been in decent form. You're at home uh, against the Sydney team that's hot and cold. You're down 2-0 at halftime. Uh, you've got Ivanovic, who I think is a, a good young player leading the line. He's not he's not someone to lead your line. You're not going to win games and and dominate teams and be you know a top six team when you've got a young guy like that. He needs someone with experience. If you've got a like you had said before a Barisha or you've got a Charlie Austin or someone up there alongside him, Grady will learn a lot. And this guy could turn into a really really good you know a good striker for you. But at the moment, he's not your man. You make three changes at the interval: Duncan, Williams, and Zimmerino. Uh, which gave them a much more attacking lineup, resulting in two of the subs bagging goals and rescuing a point. But why do you wait to half time to go out there and start to play positive because you just throw caution to the wind because you've got nothing to lose? Do it at the start of the game. And if you're up 2-0, then you can shut up shop and and control the tempo of the game. So for me, very disappointing. If I was sitting next to Ruben Zakovic, I would have said to him, get that 5-4-1, chuck it in the trash can and let's go for something a lot more attack-minded. And hopefully he uh, he hears this. He looks at what happened in the second half when he has shown uh, fortune favours the brave and he goes with a much more attacking option uh, in the next game. Yeah, absolutely. We've been crying out for it. You know, you're playing at home, uh, take the game to the opposition and and they did that in the second half. So why can't you do it for, for 90 minutes? So um, we'd, we'd, I'd love to see it. And, um, you know, I think they're doing a great job at Perth. They're, they're on a bit of a run at the moment. Um, but, yeah, let's let's start playing positive football and uh, really taking the game to the opposition. Moving on to the first of the two Sunday games, the one that was played out in uh, the, the very the very warm conditions, which was tough for both teams. It was probably arguably the match of the round uh, between the two two well performing teams this season, the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, at home against Melbourne City. How'd you uh, see this one? Yeah, look, t- very tough conditions. You know, uh, over thirty degrees in in Parramatta, Western Sydney. Um, you know, most people would uh, would have been at the beach on on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, you probably enjoy- were too. Well, yeah, by the pool or at the beach, absolutely. But um, <laughs> you know, um, tough, tough conditions. Um, and you know, end of the day, one, one all. Uh, Brandon Barillo opened the scoring for the Wanderers in the nineteenth, and uh, Richard Van der Venne uh, equalised for for City in the fifty eighth. So he was actually my my player of the match. I thought he sort of scored a lovely goal. 
Um, and he's he's starting to find his find his place in this Melbourne City team now. Um, I know Florian Berenguer has been been out injured for for a while. Came back off the bench, but um, uh, Van der Venne uh, was 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 great and and scored a terrific goal to to make it one all. Was it a bit of a shock that there was no uh, traditional uh, J Mac pen at the moment? I know every week now there's a J Mac pen. It helps you in your fantasy team. It helps everyone who has J Mac in their fantasy team. And you know, like I said, I I, I don't know how many of these was meant to be pens, but. Uh, no J Mac pen, no J Mac on the score sheet, but they still find a way against the good Wanderers team of uh, getting a point. Yeah, no, no J Mac goal, which was uh, disappointing for me because I've got him in my fantasy team as captain. But um, you know, credit yeah, to, to so credit sad. to credit to Western Sydney, they they nullified him uh, really well. Uh, he had a little opportunity in the first half, um, put one wide, but apart from that, um, didn't really get get much of a sniff. But you know, Melbourne City have got quality all round. Um, the, the turning point for me, uh, I think Marco Tilio, um, lovely dribble, cut inside, has a shot that comes off the post. Um, instead, they they equalised a couple minutes later, but they could have had two goals in the space of five minutes and, and they could have really turned this game around, made it 2-1. Um, and, you know, who, who knows what happens from there. But uh, what, what would I have changed? I honestly, I think both co- coaches played it really well with the players they had available. Um, you know, very difficult. I think you've got to give credit where credit's due. I think every player that stepped onto that pitch um, was was unbelievable to play in those conditions. Uh, they left everything out there, and you saw at the end of the game. You know, when they were doing the player interviews, Brandon Barella was was he was gassed. Um, you know, every single player was was spent. Um, you know, the one thing I would have I would have loved to change is the, is the kickoff time. You know, why are we playing at three pm when it's when it's thirty degrees plus? Can can we move the game to to a later time slot? Can it be seven pm? Uh, do we make that? You know, in, in Europe and and places like that, in Spain, when it gets hot, um, when when they're playing at the start of the season, they're they're playing at nine pm kickoff and ten pm kickoff in some places. So, um, yeah, I understand. We want it to be friendly for for families to go to football matches at you know at, at accessible times in the afternoon, but. Um, I also think we need to we, we need to change the football culture in, in this uh, in this country because at three pm on a on a Sunday afternoon when the sun's out, people are at the beach, uh, you know, having a, having a drink by the pool or or at a, at a bar somewhere. So it is difficult, um, but you know, we, we, something needs to be done, and and potentially we, we need to look at the, the, the scheduling. Mate, I think you're on the money. I, I think that's what I would have changed. I would have put a, a few uh, blow up pools on the side of the the field, a couple of. Uh, pints of uh, mojitos and I think the players could have had a few breaks, a few dips, a few swims and uh, I think everyone would have won then so maybe in the future that's something that they can look at. I'm there, sign me up. Mate, quick question before we get into the last game of the round. Do you think that uh, the biggest challenge for City's coach this year is going to be the fact of trying to balance and juggle so many quality players? I know it's a blessing, but it can also be a curse. The fact that he's got players like uh, Captain Jamison, Naboot, he's, now he's got Berengay back. He's going to have another guy who sits on the bench. So you can't have these guys, especially when they're a little bit older, not playing because they get rusty and then they're no use to you. But you also don't want to derail a team that's going well or a lineup that's got, got cohesion and that. So is that going to be his biggest challenge this year? Yeah, look, it's it's going to be difficult, but I think they've got a squad now where there's there's no trouble in that squad. I don't think any of those players, if the, if they're left out, um, you know, are going to disrupt things. They're going to you know start talking behind players' back and the coaches' back. Um, I think they've got a, a pretty good dressing room, and and that's probably credit to Patrick Kisnorbo and, and the way he uh, built that team. And 
got them all together. So I think, um, I think yes, it's going to be tough because you know he's going to have to make tough decisions to to leave players out. But at the end of the day, um, they're all they're all professionals, and um, I think they've got a, a real good team harmony at, at Melbourne City. So I don't think that'll affect the squad too much. Oh, only time will tell. And moving on to the game that I'm now going to call for the rest of this season, the unpredictable derby. Western United versus Newcastle Jets was the final game of the round. You don't know what you're going to get with this. It could be uh, it could be rocks or it could be diamonds. Uh, final score was 1-1. It was a Lockie Wales uh, goal in the 13th minute to open the scoring for the uh, Western United. And then uh, a reply in the 17th minute from Daniel Steins, both cracking goals. I think Daniel Steins could go down as a uh, potential for uh, goal of the year. It was a cracking shot to uh, tie things up at uh, 1-1. For me, the player of the match was Jamie Young with a few quality saves early on in the game. I think if the Jets with, uh, you know, that uh, Jekyll and Hyde uh, sort of <laughs> persona they've got could have easily have gone back into their shell if uh, if 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 they, the game hadn't gone their way. But they've gone out early and if they'd taken a lead, they could have, you know, been excellent for it. And I think Western are lacking confidence. But Jamie Young stood up tall. He showed uh, why uh, his form last year helped his team win the title last season. Um, so for me, my player of the match was Jamie Young, but also a special mention for Daniel Steins. I thought he was also excellent. The turning point for me, there's one, I think there was probably many, but the one that was absolutely the the one that turning point was the uh, goal scorer Steins put one on a platter for Bahaja with 20 minutes left to play, but he totally made a mess of the golden opportunity to give the Jets a lead. So he's whipped a fantastic ball in. It was actually harder to probably miss than it was to score in Bahaja. Uh, absolutely fluffed it and uh, mistimed his run, kicked it out for a, for a goal kick. So I think 2-1 up. I think the Jets would have probably held on and and uh, record another victory. But unfortunately for them, they've had to settle for a point. And uh, what I would have done, what I would have coached Jair would have done to change the game would have been if I was in charge of the Newcastle Jets, I would change the uh, salary structure, lower the base and offer a bigger goal bonus. Again, Bahaja, Soterio and co are guilty of blowing excellent build-up play, creating quality chances um, that they haven't converted. So they they have some beautiful football. They just play some fantastic balls. There's some fantastic runs. And then they cut balls back that you expect, you know, A-league quality players, especially some of the quality of these players, to hit on target. And if a keeper pulls off a great save, fantastic. But they kick the ground. They kick it over the crossbar. They miss their lines. They fall over each other. Their, their finishing is just not good enough. So, like I said, I know they're on probably pretty decent salaries, but I'd just be stripping it back to bare basics and saying goal bonuses. I don't think they'd be giving many out this year, but I think that's an incentive to try and get these guys to start hitting the old onion bag a lot more often than they actually do. Yeah, look, if there's no no goal bonus, what's the point of scoring sometimes, eh? So, you know, if, I, if I'm a striker, I, I would, I would uh, try and um, get a, a goal bonus um, clause in, into my contract because, like you said, it gives you incentive to score and, um, you know, who doesn't like making more money? All right, that's the end of our revolutionised roundup for this week. Back after the break, we finish off with our clinical finish. We'll catch you then. You're listening to the Football Revolution. Welcome back to the show. It's uh, now time for our final stretch, which is our clinical finish. And uh, the first thing in our clinical finish is our what the foot, our WTF. Maybe this week, VIG, it should be our WWF or our WWE after referee Fagani's officiating in the Mariners versus the Bulls game. Not only did he dismiss four penalty appeals, two for each team in the second half, he must have swallowed his whistle as he let kamikaze tackles come in flying thick and fast. Oh, Fagazi, Fagazi. Eh? He, he loves uh, he loves letting the play go. Um, but, yeah, you know, there, there's... There were some instances there where, where you think, how is that not a, a free kick or a penalty or uh, what, what's going on here? But, um, you know, he, he's a unique character, a unique referee, and 
um, you know, sometimes we we do we sit back and and we think what the foot what's what's going on, but um, he he views the game in a in a different way to to some other referees and uh, sometimes allows that that physical play to to continue and um, you know so, sometimes he can he can stop play too much, but sometimes he he often lets it go as well. So um, you know, as long as it's fair, as long as it's uh, consistent for both teams, uh, I've got no issues with it, but. Yeah, there'll be a lot of people there sitting on the couches uh, thinking uh, what the foot is uh, and, and what the hell is going on. No, I think they'll be thinking, what the Fagani? This might be our new segment from now on. Instead of what the foot, it might be what the Fagani because, you know, it was fair, I think, from both sides. I don't think he was biased either way. And I think uh, both Dwight York and uh, Nick Montgomery were both equally as bemused with his decisions. But I think the Mariners have probably come out worse for wear because informed Sam Silvera uh, came out second best and was replaced in the 72nd minute. So if he doesn't bounce back this week and they lose him for a few weeks here, it goes to show it's, it might be a bit entertaining having, you know, like in Origin where you let tackles go flying in the opening stages with shoulder charges and hits knocking people out. And it might be a little bit of fun to watch, but, uh, you know, it could it could prove very costly for one of uh, – one of the, the Mariner stars at the moment, and he gave out seven yellow cards, but that must have been his lucky number because he wasn't given out number eight. It was seven, and that was it. Yeah, and he had seven in his pocket, yeah. <laughs> I think G- so. Give him out he, and he left someone home. <laughs> All right, so um, moving on to the games this week to watch. So for me, there's two. Friday sees two teams just inside the top six battle it out to, to stay within the six when Adelaide hosts the Bulls. Who do you like here, and uh, what do you think the result will be? Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting fixture. And, um, you know, Friday night at, at Cooper Stadium, um, you know, in the form that they're in, yeah, I know they didn't get uh, the win on the weekend against uh, against the victory, but um, I'm going to go with the home team uh, with Adelaide United. I think, uh, you know, Craig Goodwin is unstoppable with, at the moment, Ben Halloran. Um, and, and I think MacArthur away from home. Uh, look, I'm just, I'm just not convinced yet by MacArthur. I know they've improved over the last couple of weeks, but... Um, they just haven't convinced me yet, and and I'm going to go with Adelaide for this one. Yeah, I've liked what I've seen in the improvement from the Bulls, but I'd be doubling down with you. I'll be on Adelaide. I think they showed with uh, Halloran, with Goodwin, with Gauchi. I think they showed a lot. Uh, they do have one issue this week, which may come back and bite them, is so that they've lost uh, Popovich this week, I think, through suspension. They've also uh, got another few other defenders out the back at the moment, and they've got a couple of makeshift centre-backs in there, so I don't know who's going to be playing. Maybe Ibasuki will be partnering with George Blackwood in the centre of their defence this week, but uh, right. that may come back and bite them. But uh, if they can sort things out at the centre of the back, and I think Popovich has been excellent from this year, so I think he is a big loss at the back, and I think they're also without Lockie Barr, who's been fantastic. Fantastic for the last few weeks. They were without him on uh, against the victory the other night, and they were without him again for another couple of weeks. So this will really test them at the back. You never know. Maybe Millsy. Has maybe to I was just about to say that. Maybe Millsy gets <laughs> a, gets the call up, and um, he is not a, not a bad replacement to have. So um, yeah, we'll he, see. he could go down. He could go down as the first A League coach to have uh, made his debut one week as head coach, and the next week he makes his uh, Adelaide debut as a field player. So. Uh, Watch this space. But uh, the other game, which I think is uh, a cracking game, is uh, second v fourth when the Mariners cross the ditch to take on the resurgent Phoenix. I, uh, I I don't know how I'd split this one. I think it'll be a very entertaining game. Both teams play a brand of football we enjoy watching, but uh, it depends on uh, I think the Mariners will turn up and put in a performance, but I don't know if the Phoenix will. Yeah, look, Wellington are back at home. Um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting game. Both teams are coming off wins. Uh, the, the Mariners have been, they've been solid all season. They're, they're sitting in second spot at the moment. Wellington have, have creeped up into the top four. Um, 
you know, it, it's it's a really interesting fixture. This one, I think. Um, hopefully, we see some some attacking football. Both teams going at each other, um, and it'll be 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 really interesting. I'm I'm excited to watch this one. I know it's a it's an early kickoff over here. Um, I think it's a what a three pm kickoff in in Wellington, but uh, one one pm for us here. So, um, you know, a bit of football on a on a Sunday afternoon. How good? I think it's very important uh, at home for the uh, Phoenix to back up a good away win last week. Uh, and like I said, that's two wins. That'd be their third win on the trot and really start to establish themselves as a team in the force. So they're not looking over their shoulder. And, and when they don't have the pressure on them each week of having to perform to, you know, keep keep touch with the six and that, I, I think they can even get bigger and better than they've been so far. So big game for both teams there. Moving on to our TFR fantasy update, like I said last week, it was a little bit uh, lost in translation. I'm not sure what was happening because there was a Tuesday game. I don't know if they didn't tally players or if players got two scores if they were playing in, in, in two games that week for the glory and also the raw. But somehow we ended up with some scores. But uh, moving on to this week's round 12, my score was 87, giving me a total of 937 I traded out long-time casualty Nanny, who's out for the rest of the season, and his injured victory teammate Paul Izzo, and I brought in the sensational uh, Usilis Devia and raw goalkeeper Jordan Holmes just to save some cash because I couldn't uh, I couldn't replace uh, Nanny in, with anyone of uh, any substance if I didn't find some cash. And considering I've already got um, Wanderers number one there in Thomas, I thought I'm probably sport for choice having two top keepers and he is out injured. So I uh, I brought in Jordan Holmes. So yeah, my total nine thirty seven after a round twelve score of eighty seven. How did you feature in round twelve? Oh, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um... I only got 69 points, which took me to a total of 914. Um, my saving grace was I, I never traded the lolly man out. I know he was suspended for, for a game. Uh, didn't trade him out, but brought him back into the starting lineup and uh, he, he scored for me. So he, he got me a, a respectable score, but didn't quite um, you know reach reach the heights that, that you got to. But um, you, you're slowly starting to, to drift, uh, creep back away from me again. Um, Mate, I, I can thank Cummings is uh, a hero or villain. One week he's getting me minus scores, the next week he scores and he gets me a double and gives me a twenty. So, uh, all in all, he's he's a, he's a roller coaster. One week you're loving him, next week next week you're wishing you'd lost him. But uh, I think I've made a couple of smart trades and I've still got quite a few left. You must have a lot because uh, it went about you know during the World Cup break. I think you didn't make a change for about six weeks, so you probably got bucket loads of uh, changes you can make. But uh, you don't want to leave it too late, so. Mate, time to catch up. I think I've got you by about 20-odd points, 23 or something. 23, I think number, it is at the moment, yeah. 23, so I'm, I'm happy. It's a lucky number for me. Hopefully it stays lucky for the rest of the year. Uh, if you missed any part of the show or want to listen to other episodes, where can they catch it? Yeah, they can catch us on all good podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, also on uh, FNR Radio and up on our YouTube channel. Is there anything uh, we should keep an eye out for this week, VIG? Any, uh, uh, any games? Any, any Premier League, any anything that you, you think we should uh, be tuning into? Uh, I, I think, do, do United play Arsenal this weekend? Is it, well, is Spurs, it this week? have got, is it... Uh, Spurs have got City, so I know that. That's that's what a loyal well, fan well, knows how his team's going. Uh, look, now, you've, uh, got, you've, you've got Palace. I uh, do. Look, I'm still celebrating from the from the weekend. So, you know, give, give me a couple of days and, and then I'll look, look ahead to the uh, to the weekend, to, to this weekend later on in the week. But um, if we've got Palace, we've got Palace. And I think after that, we've got Arsenal. So, um, so some pretty big fixtures uh, coming up there, but who knows? Maybe uh, the big big man Wakehorse uh, makes his debut this weekend for United. So 
uh, be interesting to see how he goes up top and and whether he goes straight into that that starting lineup or um, you know they they keep things uh, keep things the same and um, roll on from uh, show a bit of loyalty to to the players that won last week in the derby. Mate, it was a strange signing. I uh, I have to admit, he scored two goals for the for the Dutch in uh, the World Cup, but I I didn't see much of him. I I think the way that uh, Van Heg, uh, Van Tag has got you guys playing, I, I think there's obviously a lot better strikers than him that uh, would be interested in coming to United with the way you're playing now with Casemiro and that. So I think it's strange. I wish you all the best, but uh, you know what they say, right? What goes up must come down. So um, I'm hoping that for you in the in the coming weeks. But uh, on a on a, a a local level. Do you see the clubs, many of the teams in the A-League going into the market now and buying? Is I've, I've seen, you know, so many articles about people saying what each team needs. That's great, right? Every year you write a Christmas list saying I want a horse, I want a new car, I want a new house, and you get none of it, right? Is there going to be some teams that here actually go out and buy? Are we going to hear about the Raw replacing Charlie Austin and they end up with nobody? Do you see teams going out there now? especially when there's no relegation, right? So if you're kind of at the bottom of the table, do you just give up now? Or is there teams there that want to go out there and make sure that they're a chance of trying to get some silverware, like a, a Phoenix or, you know, City City have had their fair share of a cut last, of the few, last few years. But do you see a Mariners or do you see, a uh, you know, a Phoenix who aren't far off the pace or an Adelaide going out there and getting those couple of pieces they're missing to bring home some silverware for their long overdue fans? Yeah, look, it's it's a shame. But, yeah, I, I, I don't at the moment because, like you said, there's no relegation. There's no pressure on these teams. Um you know, to, to bring players in to survive, essentially. So, um, you know, I would love to see the Mariners go out and, and spend spend big on a on a midfielder or, um, you know, someone, someone creative to, to you know, really lift lift their team and, and complement Jason Cummins up top and, and really push for for a title. But, you know, the, 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 the reality is where these clubs sit at the moment, um, I, I just don't think they have the money to actually go out and, and even do that. You know, potentially, like you said, is a loan move for for a younger player uh, the, the way to go. But I, I don't see anyone I, like I don't think Victory can can go out and, re, and replace Anani right now. You know, I think they're just going to have to to suck it up for the rest of the season um, and play without their marquee man. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see you know even the Wanderers or or someone that that's pushing for that top top four top two spot um, really go out and and you know challenge City and, and bring in a, a quality player. But um, Unfortunately, the the way the, the league is set up and and the way the clubs are financially structured at the moment, I, I just don't see that that happening, especially with the with the salary cap. So um, it, it's difficult and it's a shame because as a as a fan, um, I love transfer. I love when the transfer window opens because you know half the time, yeah, it's all speculation about who's coming in and who's going and which players signing for your club. But um, we don't have that. We don't have that culture here in, in Australia. We don't. We don't get the the pleasure of, um, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to. You know, we don't have transfer deadline day where, where we're sitting there waiting to see who gets signed. Um, you know, in the off season or, um, in mid season. So, uh, it's it's a shame because uh, I'd love to see that happen, but um, yeah, the reality is at the moment I just I just can't see it happening or I can't see any clubs going out and. Uh, splashing the cash to to bring players in at, at this stage. What I'd love to see, and I just wish, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, I think, you know, based on our performance last World Cup, this last World Cup just passed and previous World Cups as well as the league growing in stature, maybe not as fast or as as, as big as we'd like it to be, but still it's heading in the right direction, you know, and it, it is a decent league. 
I'd love to see a team like the Phoenix when they ask, come knocking for Ben Wayne. Don't knock him back. He deserves an opportunity. But say to a t- club like Ply- Plymouth, give us a player for, on loan for the rest of the season. Not everyone's playing. You can't play 28 guys every week. Some guys aren't getting any game time. Surely there's a guy that wants to come come out to New Zealand. You know, you're not locking him in for a three-year deal. You're not losing him as a player. Just send him out on as part of the a transfer. Send him out here on loan for uh, you know for the rest of the season. Give us another guy. You know, he could turn out to be an amazing player, and it opens a, an amazing relationship between Plymouth. With a, you know a, a football club in the UK with a, with a, an A League club here, I, I just love us to show a bit of guts there and say that to a club and stand up to them rather than say, "Hey, we don't want to let you know a young player's dreams go to waste and we we stand in the way or we 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 don't stand up to them because we're worried the deal will fall over." Show a bit of guts and, and go and tell these guys, "Hey, we're we're a decent enough league that we can start to make this request." And you know what? They may say, "Yeah, we've got this midfielder. He's a great young guy. He's come back from injury last year, but he he's got a lot of potential. We've sent him out there. He'd love to come to Australia." I don't know. If you don't know, if you don't try, you don't know. So for me, I, I just love to see that. And, and I think this probably gives more credit to what we talked about earlier is the uh, the football revolution all-stars being considered as a serious option coming <laughs> to the A-League. Because I know for a fact that if uh, this was the transfer window, we'd be uh, hugely trying to bring in Alex Gerge back on loan from uh, <laughs> Grenoble. So I, I think that would be making massive news around the league. Yeah, look, and we also need to start putting uh, some more value on these young players that are going overseas and, and not letting them just go over for for nothing or, um, you know, let their contracts expire and, and go over go over for free. So um, when you've got a, a quality player, quality asset at your club like like a Ben Wayne, um, you know, I don't know what the transfer fee was or if they even got one, but, um, you know, they need to hold on to their, these assets and, and they need to be making money off these assets and, and making smart business decisions as, as well as, um, football decisions. And, you know, I know it's, it's his, it's the young, young fellow Ben Wayne's dream to, to go over and, and play in the UK or play in Europe. And, and, you know, I know, I know a lot of players, young players here have those aspirations, but, um, if you're running a football club and, and, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a business. Um, you need to be making smart business decisions and, 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 you know, essentially making some money off these assets. Uh, if they're good enough to go overseas and these clubs really want them, then they should pay, pay a decent transfer fee for them as well. So, and, and not to say if it, that, that goes within the A League as well. If, you know, at the moment players could just break their contract and, and move to another club. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's right as a, as a football club. As if I was the owner of a football club, you know, I, I can't agree to that because, You've got these players at the club. You've trained them up. Uh, you put them in a position that 